This is Howard Anderson, News Editor at Information Security Media Group, and today we're talking with Susan McAndrew of the HHS Office for Civil Rights. Thanks for joining us today, Susan. Well, thanks uh, for meeting up with me. Can you tell us what were some of the major insights gathered as a result of the 115 HIPAA compliance audits conducted for your office last year? You know, I think of one, uh, just to be clear, that we are still um, assessing and working with the final reports that we got from KPMG uh, at the end of uh, last year. Uh, And so a lot of these are just kind of top-level preliminary observations. Um, We are hoping to to put together a much more sophisticated analysis uh, as soon as we can. But, you know, I think the... The initial takeaways, or the most obvious takeaway uh, from the audit is, hey, uh, we've got, there's a lot of work <laughs> that needs to be done to um, ensure that all entities are in compliance uh, with both the privacy and security rules. Um, we audited uh, entities of all sizes and types, and in a very only a very small proportion of those audits came away with absolutely no findings. So I think um, there's a lot of work for everyone to do, uh, and it's a good time to uh, turn your attention to uh, what needs to be done within your entity to ensure the uh, compliance with both the privacy and the security side. I think the second. Um, observation was that um, while the privacy findings tended to be a little more focused, uh, on the security side, there were plenty of findings across the array of security rule um, requirements. And so uh, I think particular attention uh, needs to be uh, placed uh, in making sure that your, your security standards are being met. Uh, and of course, that all starts with a risk assessment or a risk analysis, and um, making sure that you address any vulnerabilities that that risk analysis points you to. The third observation that we would have coming out of the audits is that, mm, um, and again, not surprising, uh, it's the smaller entities. Uh, that are struggling most with compliance. And so while the, the larger entities may have isolated privacy and or security concerns, um, it's the smaller entities where, you, where you'll find multiple um, observations about noncompliance on both sides of the fence, privacy and security. Now, in, in the session we just heard with uh, Leanne Rodriguez, he pointed out um, some findings regarding encryption, where s- folks were either uh, using encryption appropriately or not documenting what they were doing as an alternative. Can you talk about that a little bit? As you know, encryption is, an, is what we call an addressable uh, implementation specification. And what that means is uh, it, you need to do encryption uh, to protect information both at rest uh, and in transmission. Uh, to the extent it's uh, uh, reasonable and appropriate uh, to do so. If you, if for your particular organization, 
uh, you want to make the case that it's not reasonable and appropriate. Uh, the, the flexibility and the security rule allows you to do so, but it does require that a you document uh, why it is not reasonable and appropriate, and you document what you are doing uh, instead of, in lieu of uh, encryption, that would provide a reasonable and appropriate protection um, if you do not encrypt. Uh, and what the audits are finding is that if you go through that uh, addressable analysis for encryption, um, we are finding that entities do encrypt. At the end of the day, they do find that encryption is a reasonable and appropriate way of protecting the data. The other entities that don't encrypt uh, didn't even bother to go through the analysis. So they hadn't conducted a risk assessment at all? or, or They may have that? conducted a risk assessment or some form of a risk assessment, but they did not um, specifically focus on the implementation specification of encryption. And so they did not deal with, they didn't even think about whether or not that was reasonable and appropriate. And what else can we do to have an equivalent means of protection if we decide not to encrypt? They just did nothing. Uh, how common was that? You know, I can't say off the top of my head how common that was. Um, I think in, encryption overall was probably, you know, I think in the, in the security area, uh, the findings were fairly well distributed. So maybe in about 15% uh, of the cases um, had, that, had that problem with encryption. So what's the moral of the story there? Uh, the moral of the story is um, that, you know, when you look at breaches and you look at uh, the number of thefts and losses uh, and other issues uh, that result in a breach um, that involve uh, portable media, laptops, um, thumb drives, and others, um, that... Um, if those, if you had gone through the encryption analysis uh, and had encrypted the data, then all you would have been left with is lost property. But there would not have been an information endangerment uh, on top of the lost property, salt in the wound, if you would. So um, the uh, and uh, is the information loss that will uh, could eventually hurt you uh, if we wind up in an enforcement action. And if, you know, this is one of the areas where if we, in investigating the breach and what was done in the breach, uh, and it comes to light that you did not do an encryption analysis, uh, then you are uh, potentially facing penalties as a result of your failure to, to follow the security rule. Okay. Um, do you know yet when you'll be publishing the results of your analysis of the first round of audits last year? Um, I don't know exactly when. We're in the process now of uh, putting um, the 115 audit reports uh, into our um, database uh, for analysis purposes. We are also in the process of um, doing an evaluation. We have a, uh, another contractor who will do a formal evaluation um, of the audit pilot program, right. and we will be looking at uh, that evaluation as well in terms of 
what to do with the uh, final analysis of, of the findings uh, that were coming out of the audit process. So is it too soon to tell whether any of the first-round audits will result in settlements or penalties? You know, not as a result of the audit process per se. Uh, we did say that we were not going to uh, use the audit results uh, to uh, impose penalties, but that we did reserve the right in the appropriate case uh, if the audit finding uh, was of a degree of seriousness uh, that those findings would uh, be moved into a compliance review arena and as a result of further investigation through that compliance review uh, there could well be some um, some enforcement action uh, but uh, that is also too I mean it will take getting all of these reports put into the system and, and looked at very closely. So you're still projecting the next phase, the audits could resume toward the end of this year, beginning the next? You know, we're very hopeful um, that we can, um, as a result of the evaluation uh, and our analysis of, of the results, uh, resume the um, audit function. Um, I think uh, we are looking to the evaluation as, as helping guide us as to uh, where we can um, best concentrate our efforts, um, you know, and, and clearly the, the funding situation needs to be sorted out uh, for the audit function. But we are, um, I think we are pleased enough um, uh, with what we're, uh, with the impact of the audit uh, and its reception within the community to know that this does look like a very fruitful approach uh, to gauging compliance and ensuring compliance. Um, and that um, already, I think, it's produced some uh, tools that will have uh, good effect within the uh, industry, particularly uh, in the, their ability to take the protocol which we have on our website uh, and to use that uh, for their own purposes. Uh, and um, so we're also in the process of updating that protocol now uh, to ensure it reflects uh, the changes that are coming at the end of September. Um, but I think right now we're all going to be concentrated on the implementation of the omnibus and then looking to pick up uh, with audit um, after the end of this fiscal year. After the end of the fiscal year. And then the protocol for audits will be updated to reflect HIPAA omnibus, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. And too soon to tell how many audits will be conducted in the next phase, how long it will last, all those details? Um, all those details will, will um, it's really too soon to tell. So just to sum up then, what are your tips to people on preparing for the audits that will resume here sometime soon? Um, you know, I think... I think the tips um, are the, the same that we have when we got into the project, is that this is an opportunity uh, for covered entities uh, to be able to take a, a systemic look, go back, and make sure that um, their risk assessment and their policies and procedures um, are up to date. It clearly uh, behooves them to do that as they approach the implementation of these omnibus uh, rule changes. This is a nice time to do that. And that, you know, I think just in terms of ensuring that there are these, you know, that compliance is, is, a, is a daily task. It needs uh, support through an organized program within the covered entity. 
whether it's a self-audit process um, or an external audit process. This is a good discipline for covered entities to engage in uh, in order to ensure that the information uh, that they have from patients is both uh, private and secure. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Susan. Okay, thank you, Howard. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Howard Anderson.